This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. From the TCL studios, it's Mackie and Judd. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Minnesota needs Jeff Teague to score. Teague attacking. You asked for it. You get it, Jim Peterson. Jeff Teague with the finish. Timberwolves looking to run. Teague leaves it up for Derrick Rose. And Derrick Rose has... Been an absolute revelation from downtown. Joshua Kogi drills the triple. Gibson, no. Towns, oh yeah. Towns for three. Rattles it home. Teague with the take and make. And the Timberwolves are getting this one close to the finish line as they will win it tonight, holding on and holding off the Nets. 120 to 113. I know it was the Nets, gentlemen. I know it was the Nets. And uh, they they also had Karis LeVert suffer a horrific injury, and so it just probably takes away your will to play basketball. But um, I thought last night felt it felt watching and felt like when I was watching the players and the way that they were going about business for the Timberwolves, it just felt freeing. It was a freeing feeling as a fan watching, and like just this freedom from all of the BS and the drama, not just the past couple months, but even just going back to last year. They looked like they were having more fun at times on the court. They weren't the Showtime Lakers or the Golden State Warriors, but they looked like, Judd, they were having more fun on the court. And it's it's a good step to relieve themselves of the Jimmy Butler drama and beat a team they're supposed to beat. And Carl Anthony Towns can go out and not have to worry about this jackal stealing his mojo. I'm not there yet. I'm not going to be there until the, the coach is gone because looking at him in a largely empty building, hearing him again, Scream words. He's more quiet this year than he, he has been. He is, but he he dropped a, he dropped a GD that reverberated throughout that building. <laughs> yes, he did. He looks he looks awful now. He looks like he's been left. I I am going to. I'm not going to feel like this franchise is free until Glenn has completed the daily double, which is Jimmy and Tom. Yeah. So so I I can go along with with the fact that I I believe that this is a large step. Towards empowering players who were who were not empowered previously because of Butler's presence, but as far as watching this team, I'm not going to feel that the whole thing is is really complete until Tom is fired. Which is why I'll go back to, to what what I told Patrick. It's eight million dollars basically. You're going to fire him, so it's going to be sixteen. So the only question is, are you willing to pay him what's left of the eight that he was going to earn this year? And and. The response is, well, who's going to coach? I own. I don't care at this point. Yeah, 
I don't care. Well, whether it's Tom Thibodeau or somebody else, and we're going to get to see the new Timberwolves in action tomorrow night's the next game, correct? Mm -hmm. And uh, then then they play again a couple nights later. It's the type of mix, as you start to look at this team on paper now with Dario Saric and, and Covington, it's the type of mix that a creative coach and a coach that isn't just tied to his way or the highway, but a creative coach would love to tinker with this collection. You've got you got two guys who are well, one of them's what's cat? He's seven feet tall, six eleven, seven feet tall. Mm-hmm. Saric is like almost seventy six foot ten, and they both shoot threes. So you've got this incredible talented mix of big men. Both of them are twenty four years old. Yes. So just to be able to forget about the rest of the team and whatever you think Wiggins is going to be and whatever you got these three and D wing players Covington and Anthony Tolliver and Derrick Rose rounding back into form maybe not MVP form but looking like a guy who's got some spring in his step Okogi Okogi yes and what he brings energy wise and on the defensive end a creative coach who's willing to look at this thing and say all right blank canvas let's try to let's try to mold this and make this work this is a really fun canvas to paint on right now. But it almost feels like, to your point, Tom Thibodeau looks at it as just a loss because he had to trade Jimmy Butler two nights ago. Yeah, he was upset. Three nights ago. And it, last night, he's screaming again, and he's upset. And yes, if you had if you had a coach that looked at this and said, what can I do? You know, with Cat. I mean, Cat, what... The sets that they run, they so often have him go post up like it's 1975, right? It's a positionless league now. Carl Anthony Towns can do everything. Use him that... The more that you, especially with him, I think, the more that you empower him and tell him we have complete faith, the better he's going to get. Andrew, I have no clue about. I don't know that one. But there are there are things that they can do here. And when the head coach of president of basketball operations is miserable because he lost his guy, that doesn't help you. I really think that this is a double whammy. I think this is Jimmy's gone now. Now, Glenn, the next move is Tom. And and listen, you made a mistake. And I'll defend Glenn on this. At the time, we of uh, both the Butler trade and the Tibbs hire, we all said, "Oh yeah, okay, great." So it's not like we all said it's David Kahn and Glenn's a, a uh, moron for putting the guy in power. So all right, it's a mistake. You made a mistake. Move on from it. Uh, meanwhile, Jimmy Butler spoke today in Seventy uh, Sixers warm up before his first action in the Seventy Sixers uniform. Let's just play a couple cuts from. Jimmy Butler, you guys played this off the top in case you weren't with us an hour ago. Uh, also, we're going to be joined uh, by Danny Cunningham making his Mackie and Judd debut from the Raised by Wolves podcast. He covers the Wolves for 1500ESPN.com. That's in about five minutes. And Mike Golick, Jimmy, but here's Jimmy Butler. You really wouldn't know who I am unless you're around me every day. And for the most part, that's why I don't worry too much about um, what everybody says. If you know me, if you're around me, you know my heart and you know um, how I go about what I go about. I love my teammates. Um, I don't think there's too many of them that will tell you that I'm a bad teammate. But, um, I mean, people get whatever they want to say out. It is what it is. But I think I'm a – I think that I'm an incredible human being, teammate. And um, I'll show that to the guys that are here. He says humbly. How about that? Have you guys ever said to anyone, you know, I think I'm an incre- – I'm not just a good human. I'm an incredible human being. So much vanity, man. And <laughs> so much vanity. Well, and the frightening thing Gosh. is Jimmy Butler absolutely believes that. Like, that's his mm-hmm. world. Here's more Jimmy. But the, the funny part about it is all you hear is sources say. You never hear a, a player say it. And I think if a player had a problem with anything that they would. 
that's how I feel about the situation. Um, and unless everybody in my past locker room was just that fake, I don't think that I was that big of a problem at all. Um, even after um, I was moved, I still had great conversations with them, wishing them luck um, because they're incredible players, but even better human beings. Uh, I'll leave it at that. You know, all the sources and the sources say, I'm pretty sure the sources still say here as well. I don't think, I, I feel like Jimmy Butler for sure, and even a lot of fans and fans complain about sources, this and, okay, if you don't want someone to know that it was you or the world to know that it was you complaining, but you wanted the complaint out publicly, you'd float it anonymously to a reporter who could put it out publicly without your name on it, Jimmy. Yeah. If Andrew Wiggins hates you or if Carl Anthony Towns hates your guts, okay, it might be a little tough for them. They don't want to, they want the world to know so that you can be traded that you're a cancer. Mm-hmm. Maybe they should address it to your face. Maybe that's part of them learning and growing as young players and leaders, but like, why are people so confused by anonymous sources? It's not that complicated. Fake news, baby. I want this out, but I don't want my name on it. Fake news. That's what happens. You covered the NFL it's for simple. 13 years. How often did someone, with, with all the stories that you ever reported on as a, as a Star Tribune Vikings beat reporter, yeah. with all the juicy stuff you reported, yeah. how often did someone say, and put my name on it? Absolutely never. Right, but they wanted it out. But he also, Jimmy. But Jimmy, Jimmy also takes a shot at his teammates by saying, unless they, they were fake, meaning he probably knows very well who the sources were, and those people in his mind were fake. Long story short, the the book of Jimmy Butler, the title is, It Was Never My Fault. I was always right. Mm-hmm. I always knew how to win. When he does it, he is, Jimmy Butler has never one day in his life gotten up and said, you know what, I might have some faults here. And I said this before, Jimmy Butler is a wide receiver. He is a diva. And that's that's who he wants to, to be. His his guy is Antonio Brown, and he desperately wants to be that. Now, the problem is Antonio Brown is really, really, really good and a diva. Jimmy is too. Jim, But I don't think Jimmy is as good, and he gets hurt more. And so he can't pull off the exact same thing that Antonio Brown can. But Jimmy Butler... We should have known when Jimmy Butler came here with a football and talked about, I love football. We should have known. You think you're a wide receiver. Uh, he does. I, I would say he has almost Terrell Owens tendencies to him. Mm-hmm. I made that. Me and Myron talked about that when Myron was in for you guys last week. We okay. talked about that exact comparison. And the whole path of the two of them, it's almost like a mirror image. Yeah, you, you think he's going to, He's when the Wolves, is it March 30th when the Sixers come to the yeah. Target Center? Do you think he's going to throw down a dunk in the fourth quarter and then wander over to the center of the court on the Wolves logo and put his arms in the air. Do push-ups like next. Terrell Owens did. Next yeah. question. <laughs> next question. Uh, well, let's let's catch up with our, our guy Danny Cunningham here. Danny uh, comes over from ESPN Cleveland and The Zone in Madison, and he's already part of the Raised by Wolves podcast, and you can read his stuff at 1500ESPN.com. And he just caught up with the newest Timberwolves just down the street over at Target Center. So we'll get an update from him and also our friend Mike Golick Jr., Later on this hour. Hey, what was the answer to the wild uh, slash hockey trivia question that took 15 callers Which to get one? correct? <laughs> the last one we did for the winner of game six. Oh. The, the, that went five hole on Patrick Waugh in, in game six. The answer to that question was Richard Park. Wow. Got a game lot of seven. Wow, you went game Richard se- Park. Game seven was brunette, and yeah. everybody knows that. Everybody so, everybody was calling. I got about seven people that called in and guessed Bruno. See, that's why I very carefully read yeah. that three times and said it was game six. 
at the X, Richard Park. Uh, we'll have more wild tickets to give away before the end of this hour, but let's... Now, back to Mackie and Judd. Hello, boys. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. So what do you think? <laughs> it's pretty cool, I guess. On 1500 ESPN. All right, let's check traffic here. 35, uh, excuse me, 36 westbound. We've got a crash in Roseville between uh, Snelling Avenue and 35W, causing a six-minute delay. And 394 westbound, we've got a crash in Golden Valley between Highway 100 and Park Place. That's about a four-minute delay there. Sharich giving it up. Covington for three in the lead. Yes! Robert Covington coming up large. Sixers lead by a deuce. Embiid with Horford on him. Gives it up. Sharich wide open. And he's got it! Dario Sharich puts the Sixers on top. I think so. I just think that it was just uh, stuff going back and forth. I thought the locker room was great, but... Uh, this of the management and different things like that is always tough. I think they're very talented players. I think that those guys could have succeeded with anybody, you know, because they're just that talented, and we're very honored to have them. And, uh, you know, we don't talk about Jared enough. You know, he's been around the league for a minute, you know, and he's found success as well. So uh, never disregard his and disrespect his talent, you know, what he brings to the game as a as a vet and as a player. He's been around the league for a while. I know he's already been on a couple podcasts, and he was on 1500 yesterday, but uh, let's let's have a Mackie and Judge show welcome to the newest addition Danny. to our team, Danny Cunningham via ESPN Cleveland, via The Zone in Madison, and now here in the middle of whatever this mess is, covering the Timberwolves for 1500ESPN.com. I just can't believe you gave applause to something even remotely associated with the Timberwolves right now. Well, let's try that again. I'm with here. you on that. Let's try that again. <laughs> Boom. Because uh, no one gave applause last night. Coming, no. coming here via ESPN Cleveland and the zone in Madison to cover whatever this mess is. It's Danny Cunningham. <laughs> so let me get That's this. more more like it. <laughs> let me get this straight, Danny. You were covering as part of your job in Wisconsin the Bucks, correct? That's correct. So the Bucks just get good. Uh-huh. They're really exciting. They're oh, fun yeah. to watch. They're well coached. They're all the things that the Wolves aren't. They get a new building, in fact. Oh, it's beautiful. And you come to work in a town where you got to cover Tibbs, a team that's a mess, and a remodeled building that's okay but doesn't come close. What are you doing here? So I think I just follow dysfunction in my career. I've been covering the NBA. And that's my job. I've been covering the NBA for three years legitimately. Tibbs is my sixth coach. Wow. David Blatt, Ty Lu, Jason Kidd, Joe Prunty, Mike Budenholzer, and now Tom Thibodeau. Six that years, is, or three years, six coaches. And there's going to be a seventh soon. I feel like, was it you that referenced this morning, too? Speaking of following dysfunction, Derek Rose. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, Derek Rose okay, is tell our audience for everything bad. Tell our audience, because I had, I'd never thought about this, but so we had a... For people who didn't see the Wolves game last night, Karis LeVert basically had his ankle detached from his body, and it was... It was one of those where he goes down and a couple players try to help him up. But then within 10 seconds, a trainer was out there frantically signaling for an ambulance to basically back out onto half court. So, yeah, scary situation. Yeah, disgusting. And it's one of those things when you see it on TV, it's a different feeling than seeing it live. It is. You can't believe that it happened. And the Target Center, we can all make jokes about how no one was there last night. But for an NBA arena to be that quiet is just absolutely jarring. You can you can hear a pin drop. It's silent. It's somber. It feels like someone died in that building. It it was unbelievable. But yeah, Derrick Rose was on the court for that. 
Derrick Rose at the start of last year, and I know it feels like a million basketball years ago, but he was the starting point guard for the Cavs. That's right. Gordon Hayward dislocated his ankle opening night. He was on the court. That was five minutes in. Rose was on the floor. Derrick Rose was on Team USA when Paul George broke his leg back in 2014. Derrick Rose has been around all of these things, plus everything bad that's happened to him. He's like Damien from The Omen. Has anyone in this room seen The Omen? That little creepy kid who has 666 carved into the side of his head. And he's like around. He's around when everyone hangs themselves. Derrick Rose would love this comparison. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Derrick, you know who you remind me of with your luck? So what did you learn? I know you were out at uh, Wolvesville today. What did you learn about Dario Saric and Robert Covington? And also, I don't want to leave Jared Bayless out of this, too. He, that's a former 11th overall pick, Jared Bayless, by the way. Yeah, he's now around. been traded five times. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's how his career is going. Well, we learned that all three of them got jackets, not just Robert Covington. Oh, that's good. Because I know Covington put it on Instagram yesterday that Cat gifted him a nice winter coat because, you know, it gets cold here. But all three of them got jackets, so that's good that everyone's included. But from a basketball sense, I think it's going to be interesting how these guys fit in. Dario Saric is someone who basically did say that he wants to be a starter. He's much more comfortable in a starting role as opposed to coming off a bench. And I know when we did the live raised by Wolves yesterday, um, Derek Bodner of The Athletic in Philadelphia came on and joined us, and he said exactly that, that Saric is someone that's comfortable in a starting role and doesn't feel like he gets going quite as well when he's coming off a bench in a six-man role. And I asked him about that today, and he essentially just reset everything that Bodner told us yesterday. So that was perfect to hear that he wants to be a starter. Now, it's going to be interesting what this starting five looks like because is Derrick Rose going to go back to the bench? Is Taj Gibson going to go to the bench, a guy that started every game last year for the Wolves? Now, Taj has made it pretty clear that he doesn't care if he goes back to the bench. He's not going to be a diva about it, so that might make some sense. Yeah, definitely, and I think that we will see both these guys start. I don't know if they'll start tomorrow night because they weren't cleared by the NBA for practice. Everything medically hadn't been 100% finalized, so essentially when we were at the practice facility for availability at 12.45 before the presser, 2.30, those guys were just kind of hanging around in sweats watching. They couldn't actually touch a basketball with the team. They had to just sit on the sit in the stands by the locker room and just watch everything happen. Can you explain to me what, what you told me a couple days ago? How can a billion dollar league... Oh, yeah. When a trade is made <laughs> on a Saturday... I think it's, I like, mean, a, I think it's like an $8 billion okay, league now. But, it's got to be more than that even. Like, teams are worth but billions. But businesses operate... If you're a big business now, you, you operate potentially, or you can, seven days a week, right? How can the NBA on a Saturday... Base, so, so you've just completed the Jimmy Butler trade. Jimmy Butler trade is done. It's all good to go. And you call the league and you get, hello... You've reached the NBA. We're closed <laughs> that, for business until Monday at 9 a.m. Is that pretty much what happened? Why can't you Explain complete us. a trade on a Saturday? Yeah, the league office does not do trade calls on the weekends, which I think <laughs> is absolutely absurd. It is. That's that's why those guys are, I mean, as of now, I'm sure the medical process has been finalized, but at 1230 today, it was not. And this trade was first reported Tuesday at nine or Saturday at nine a.m. Excuse me. So you can so you can only ridiculous. dump you can only dump your diva wing players during business hours. <laughs> yes. okay. Yeah, exactly. Like okay. I had to work Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> Them making that trade made me have to work, but the league office doesn't have to work because of that. Come on, man. So if you played if you played a back to back or something, let's say you had games. Now it's it's on you to time the trade so that you're not stuck. But sure. if you had games on on Saturday and Sunday. I mean, you're not gonna. Would you announce the trade, or would you? Would the trade leak out, and then you'd still play? Because you would never risk playing Jimmy Butler in a game in which he could tear his ACL, which is 
Probably but a higher chance for him. He did on Friday. Yeah, but but the trade hadn't been reported until but Saturday. But it was close. It was close. He and, played him and, 41 mi- minutes in a game in which he had a trade basically worked out. Maybe absurd. if I play him 48 minutes, he'll stay, is what Tom Thibodeau's <laughs> yeah. logic is. you got to be crazy. And, and then we all saw what he told Sam Amick of the Athletic that came out Saturday morning and goes 41 minutes. That can't bleeping happen. Like And then... A half hour later, we got the report fourteen comes out. other bleeping guys. Or yes, something like exactly. That, Jimmy said. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. But so the trade was Saturday morning, and these guys weren't one hundred percent cleared, and it's Tuesday. So yes, Jimmy Butler couldn't play in Philadelphia that's last amazing. night, even though the trade was made official yesterday at noon. That's that's. Can't we find some stooge to go work for the league? Hey, I'll work weekend. This that feels like a thing. I'll that, do it. That feels like a major league baseball thing, right? Like that they would just be like major league baseball. Every announcement they have that's important in the offseason runs up against a key Sunday night football game, or like yeah. that doesn't seem like a basketball thing. Hey, before we get to a Michael Junior here, I was telling about a half hour ago, and Manny, I think a a creative coach. And Tom Thibodeau doesn't seem to be a creative coach, but <laughs> but even like I would put Tom Thibodeau in this category. Any NBA coach that doesn't currently coach the Golden State Warriors or 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 one of the top five teams in basketball, I think would look at the Wolves roster post Jimmy Butler and say, "That's a fun canvas to paint on." I've got two dudes who are seven feet tall who jack three pointers who are both under the age of twenty five. I've got a resurgent Derrick Rose, an Energizer Bunny, and Josh Okogie. Whatever you can mold with Andrew Wiggins, if you're again if you're a creative blank canvas coach. Um, do you look at it that way? I, 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 I feel like there's interesting upside with the pieces that, at least with Sarich and Carl Anthony Towns, that the Wolves have right now. There's definitely interesting upside. Those guys that they got from Philadelphia and Sarich and Covington are both quality players. I mean, they were starters on a playoff team last year. There's no question that these dudes can ball. My thing is, this offseason, if you are bad and you're already in a hole where you're 5-9 and nine now, maybe just be bad the rest of this year. Try and get that pick, and I know that they're humans, and I know losing can wear on you and affect you, and I asked Robert Covington about that today because he's he was the second longest tenured Philadelphia 76er. He's been there through the process. He was on that team that went 10-72 and 72 a couple years ago. And now right as they're about to peak and go to yes, the Eastern Conference that's Finals. That's exactly what I asked. Did you say the process? That, that's, so he trusted the process. Oh, he was part of the process. And then like, he got screwed. Like, they picked Joel Embiid and him, and he was in that process. He had to play <laughs> In a t- on a ten and seventy two team, and then he gets traded when they're getting good. And, and I asked him about that. Like, how how do you feel that you were a long tenured dude there? You finally got to the light at the end of the tunnel, and then they're like, "See you later." Like that's got to be what did he that's say? Got to be crushing. He goes, "Like I'm not gonna lie, it hurts, and yeah, it, it, it would hurt too. You endured so much crap, and then now you're just." You're gone. Now you get sent to another situation where you're you're not in contending mode. Did you tell him, hey, it's okay. If they had kept you instead of Jimmy Butler, you would have gotten swept by the Celtics anyway, so you're fine. You'll be okay. Don't worry, boys. <laughs> Tibbs will milk every last win from this group that he possibly can oh, he'll try. and cost him draft picks. Yeah, that's yeah, why that's you fire him and put Ryan Saunders in charge and tell Ryan, listen, if this game is close in the fourth quarter, you pull everybody. You you pull everybody. Guys, I think it's time to see what Kata Bates Diop can do. It is. I think it's time to see if he can get some quality in four games. quarter minutes. <laughs> Very late in games. You he's know? the he's way a new closer in town. <laughs> yeah, let yep. him be the closer. Yeah. <laughs> he got his number taken from him, too. Covington took his number. Was there any cash or uh, watches exchanged? Uh, that was unclear. I'm going to try and find that out uh, likely tomorrow before the game. But it seems as if it was a thing where Kata Bates Diop's a rookie and it was kind of like, yo, give me the number. Yeah. Don't so, even. I'll I, give you a. Maybe he gave him a nice winter coat. I'll give you a, one of those fake Rolexes. Philly, too. It is. That's the thing. Like it's, move, move with a coat. 
I'm sure they I want had a car coats. from Cat. I want a car. Or I want something really nice. I don't want a coat. I got a coat. I played in Philadelphia. It was cold there. Cat's extension doesn't kick until next That's year. Good That's point. true. Yeah, he's, he's. I mean, next year he might have gotten car with heated seats. Now, now wow. that I could dig if I got traded wow. to the Timberwolves. Uh, you can follow Danny Cunningham on Twitter. It's at Real D Cunningham. At Real D Cunningham. I got that right, right? At Real you D did. Cunningham. Yeah, spot on. Good job. Uh, and you can read his stuff at 1500ESPN.com. And we have multiple episodes of Raised by Wolves available, too. Anywhere you would find or subscribe to podcasts. Dane Moore is a part of that once a week, too. Let's come back and talk some football and uh, get some life lessons from our friend Mike Golick Jr. on Mackie and Judd. The Mackie and Judd Show will continue in a moment. So long, losers! On 1500 ESPN. Mackie and Judd are back. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. On 1500 ESPN. Come on! Football! Football. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Football! Football. Yes, Mike Golick Jr. is with us here. Uh, Let's, you know what? We haven't really done any Vikings this week, Mike Golick Jr., because we've mostly been talking about retired Joe Maurer and Jimmy Butler forcing a trade. But the Bears and the Vikings play a primetime game this weekend. Do you think the Bears are, quote unquote, for real? What are your thoughts on the Vikings' opponent this upcoming weekend? I've been a lot slower to the draw on the Bears' realness than most just because Mitchell Trubisky has been really enigmatic to me. Like, I, he's second in the league right now in quarterback rushing behind Cam Newton. You know, we've heard Maserati Mitch is a nickname that's taking off now, which when you look at him dressed up like a character for Peaky Blinders going into games doesn't really fit. But it, it, the numbers are hard to ignore at this point. Like, the stuff he's doing, and the uh, credit to Matt Nagy in an offense that we figure would put him in positions to succeed. They've overcome some injuries on the offensive line. Their defense getting Khalil Mack back obviously changes things immensely for them. But uh, I think I'm ready to buy the Bears at this point. I I just think they're doing a lot of things well right now. That being said, they're going to be tested schedule-wise, as is Minnesota down the remaining stretch of the season when you look at certainly a lot of division games but some of the opponents they pull from outside, too. How much, in your mind, Mike, did the Khalil Mack trade swing things as well? Because I thought the Bears, pre-Khalil Mack trade, I thought the Bears are an improving, probably ascending club, but they're still a year away or so. And then Oakland made that trade, and I said to myself, that defense has gone from being what I expected to be pretty good to being extremely difficult. Oh, listen, there's no doubt. Buying that, too, with, well, you know, you brought him, and then you, you draft Roquan Smith, and you think, oh, my God, like the instant upgrade at a linebacker group where, listen, Danny Trevathan's already a quality player in this league, and even defensive line-wise, like Akeem, Akeem Hicks is probably a guy that we didn't talk enough about who's such a load inside for them. Leonard Floyd getting the boost of playing opposite Khalil Mack. It's what happens. Anytime you've got someone like that that draws the kind of attention that Khalil Mack does, everyone else is allowed to eat off of that plate. And we've seen in the past weeks when he's out with the way this defense changes. So when you've got one guy, and you know you hear opponents talk about this with Aaron Donald and the few Warrior Elite players on defense in the NFL that demand this kind of game plan attention. I remember talking to Dan Orlovsky. He goes, it changes your life Monday of game week when you start preparing and try and figure out how do I account for and stop this guy on every play? Because if you don't, we've seen guys like Khalil Mack will bust it wide open in any chance they get. Yeah, Mike Goley Jr. So uh, it's official now. Le'Veon Bell with the Steelers, he forfeits $14 million and will not play it this year. Would you have done that? 
Uh, no, because fourteen million dollars isn't even real to me at this point. But the world where the world where Le'Veon Bell is, it's an interesting gamble because we know running back is sort of this strange position in the middle of the NFL hierarchy where we see the benefits of having a great running back right now, but we're not exactly sure how much they're worth and for how long. And so Le'Veon is in the unique scenario where he's still young enough to, in theory, cash in on this otherworldly ability that's made him a top three back. So the the conversation about has he won or lost what's going on here, I think Dan Graziano, I saw one of our NFL insiders, tweeted this before and said it best we're going to find out in march because this is a essentially him investing 15 million dollars in a future where all right i'm not injured going into this offseason i have the benefit of knowing what todd Gurley got paid and having to use that as sort of a baseline for what he believes he's worth and then going into now where we rarely get to see this and i remember this came up when zach martin was a free agent or some of these other guys that end up getting signed by their teams while they're still on their rookie contracts is we rarely get to see guys like this hit the true open market. And we still might not, might not hear. There's some games that the Steelers could play with the transition tag and all that stuff, but the thought of a player in his prime hitting the open market is one I'm fascinated to see. And then we get the answer this spring of, based on that payday, was that investment in his health and preserving that in his prime ultimately worth it for him speaking of that do you think mike in the next in the next uh labor agreement that we're going to finally get a a lockout or a strike because it seems to me i I know a lot of players probably can't afford it and so there would be some push and pull there but if the players truly want what they want i don't see how they get that without some sort of work stoppage coming around the next time the cba is up early i think 2021 or something like that well, I, I guess it depends on what do you want then. Like, if you're talking about eliminating the franchise tag, then it's always what are you willing to give up? And I don't know what the players have at this point that they can give back to the owner. I mean, do you eliminate two preseason games and give them the 18-game regular season because the owners have wanted that for the longest time? And health and safety is the bargaining chip that the NFL players have to negotiate with that no other sports league sans the NFL has to factor in there. You have to negotiate your bodies and your future. Like In my mind, going into the next CBA, we could talk about the franchise tag. We could talk about the idea of fully guaranteed contracts, which isn't something that I think needs to be collectively bargained, and it isn't in other leagues. Is The most important thing for these guys and the thing that affects the most people, if you really boil it down, and that's the job of the union, is things like health care after football, how you set guys up better and longer taking care of them once the game is over and making sure that's something. Because, again, we think about all these examples, the Le'Veon Bells of the world, the Aaron Donalds, guys holding out. These are a handful of guys in a league full of something like 2,000 players that the PA has to act in the best interest of. And I think that's the one thing we constantly lose sight of. And you know, my dad, who was a, you know, part of this union for a long time, is always reminding, it's what you're willing to give up and how does it benefit the most, the meat of the bell curve for the NFL players that are three-and-a-half-year guys and then they're out of the league. Yeah. Uh, okay, enough of this. Enough of this football for a second here. I, I should have asked you this last week. I needed some life advice, and I just I forgot to to bring it up. I went to a wedding over the weekend with almost three hundred people, and I and the only person I knew was my girlfriend. It was the first time like I've gone to weddings before. Where I maybe only know a couple people, but it was truly a wedding and a wedding reception where I didn't know anybody. Do you have any advice in that regard for future occurrences? What's your strategy at weddings when you don't really know anybody? My strategy at wedding, well, first off, so I'm guessing then this was somebody that your girlfriend knew, correct? Yes, high high school friends, yep, high school friends of of, uh, girlfriend, yes. 
Okay, all right. Well, I say you first and foremost, you got to lean on her for the scouting reports and a lot of this because the last thing you want to do is end up at the table full of weirdos. The second thing, and I mean honestly and truthfully, is drink your way through it. Yeah. I am always a better, more social version of myself when I've had a few drinks. And then once you get there, you just have to ask the questions. It's, it's a game of 20 questions. You can, be, you can be overt with that and dance. Everybody likes the guy on the dance floor. It's an easy way because you're never going to remember all those people's names. You're one man, but they'll come to you like moss to the flame if they see that you're the guy activated on the dance floor and unafraid. A- activated, yes. Activated that's a great on the way dance to, that, floor. That's a good way to describe what happened with me on the dance floor a couple times. Activated. So, go- boy. So, Golik, what, what is the recommended number of drinks then because there's it a depends five- on what you're sipping i was i was sipping the brown stuff okay just so you so gotta be a little careful but, fi- but fine line between being the best you that you can possibly be and crossing that line and becoming the worst you that you could possibly be and getting in trouble with everybody including the gal Sounds like you have well, yeah, experience in that. Oh, I do. Oh, I most definitely oh, yeah. do. We all it do. It sounds deeply personal, yes. It <laughs> is. No, you know what it is? It's I, I would say is you gotta read the room on this one. And it starts with you know with the girlfriend. However comfortable she is with your drunk self is the level of drunk that you're allowed to get in this situation because you're on her turf. But if it's a group of people that all seem to be getting after and enjoying themselves, then there's no trouble in matching that energy. But you're right. The last thing you want to do is be the dude slumped over in the chair. The brown stuff is dangerous in that regard. I go clear at weddings as a personal you know, as a personal mandate, because it keeps me up, it keeps me activated, throw a little, you know, usually it's tequila in there, and you're in a better place, but you've got to absolutely match the intensity of the room, don't exceed it. Yeah, that's that's good advice. It's football terms to describe drinking at weddings, yeah. I love activated, it! Activated, yeah. yeah. Oh. You're activated! <laughs> football! Yeah. Yes, wait a second, hold on, yes, that's right, activated, dance floor, yes! Football! Yes! Uh, Alright, last thing here, what, we're almost there. But I feel like Syracuse is always a weird trap game, but now that they're ranked 13th in the country and Ian Book is banged up, I don't know about our chances this weekend. What do you think? I feel a lot better about it, A, because Ian Book had the week to rest and recover, B, how well Brandon Wimbush performed, and C, there are no trap games anymore. Like, at this point in the season, with everything that's on the line, they are not trapped. This is your best effort. This is all your attention to detail. I think I, you know, I told you guys and I've told other people, we played in Yankee Stadium in 2010, but we didn't have near as much on the line. And so we were able to enjoy that trip a little more. You still be who you are, but by all accounts and everything we've heard, this team has a very business-like attitude towards the way that they're approaching the season. I expect them to carry that into this weekend. They looked like they were playing some good ball. The O-line has definitely picked it up in recent weeks. I feel good about this weekend because these guys understand what's on the line now. Trap games are when you're still figuring out who you are. This team has a clear sense of self, and I think the coaches, game plan-wise, have a really clear understanding of how to address teams with pass rushers like we're going to see against Syracuse and the best way to address that against the defense that's going to give up a ton of yards and is super boom or bust for the Orange. Hey, before we let you go, can you elaborate on we were able to enjoy the trip a bit more for me? Well, so we got to we got to we were the first team to play in New Yankee Stadium and we got there on Friday where we were playing Saturday night. And normally we get in and we would go and check into the hotel and then we would go over to the stadium and have a walkthrough. And we got to Yankee Stadium and as soon as we got there you could see the sort of glassy eyed childlike look when we're all sitting around and walking around and 
Brian Kelly brought us all up and basically said, we're going to scrap the walkthrough, we're going to do it tomorrow morning because it's a night game, and gave us the day to just go around and go see and take pictures at Monument Park and to ask the equipment guy, who was the Yankees equipment guy, whose lockers we were all sitting in for the game, and to just in general kind of take in the moment. And, and that's what I think Notre Dame does a good job of, is embracing these moments that are different and special while still making sure that the first, the foundation of all these good memories is you win the damn game. So that is that is how we enjoyed it. It wasn't anything more salacious than that. I feel like Jeb was hoping for you to say we did Angel Dust and LSD all night together. I was hoping you went into Manhattan and got completely blitzed and then played the game the next yeah, day. Yeah, it was the first football game I played on acid. <laughs> That's what it Man, was. Man, I was tripping. Yeah. It was fantastic. Yeah. All right, we'll see yeah. you. We'll see you next week. See you, Golic. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Uh, Golic Jr. Um, life hey, advice was really good, by the way. He always has good life advice. I know he does. Before we come back and fight to the death about the new Gopher basketball court, which you're wrong about, all of you guys are wrong about, <laughs> let's give away some more wild tickets. First person with this correct trivia answer, and Manny, I'm sorry, you'll be answering phones for the next 10 minutes. Oh, boy. 651-646-8255. In 2014, Game 7 playoffs against the Avalanche, Nino Niederreiter scored the game-winning goal in overtime. Mm-hmm. Two players assisted on that goal. You just have to name one of them. Two players assisted on that goal. You just need to name one of them. 651-646-8255. I'll give you the answer off the air here, You're a bigger jerk right. than I am. <laughs> Mackie and Judd will return shortly. Just a reminder, this station does not endorse this. On 1500 ESPN. Are you ready? Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. We are ready. Now back to Mackie and Judd. Ready! Fifteen hundred ESPN. Coffee crosses over Bearfield. Athletic is that guy in transition? Bear Coffee as good as any we have in the Big Ten Conference to get to the rim. Richard Pitino asking the crowd to come to life, and they do in a steal. Amir Coffee open floor. But Washington he handles the point. Down low. That's a nice way to pick up another double-double. The Gophs. I don't know how good Utah is supposed to be, but they play in a power conference, and they used to have Andre Miller like 20 years ago. Gophers got up, Gophers think, got up right? to a rough start, right? Trailed at one point in the first half, came back and won. Is that correct? They were down by like assessment a, of the game? They were down by like a point or two. I was back and forth all night between that and the Timberwolves game. Gabe Kalsher, they got some freshmen. Gabe Kalsher hit, hit uh, Gabe Kalsher. Say that five times fast. Gabe Kalsher. He hit five or six three-pointers. Uturu's blocking shots. Jordan Murphy gets anything he wants in terms of rebounds. I heard Jelly Jam looked really bad from three-point range, and Patino finally said, why are you still shooting threes? And he's like, because I I should be. He's like, no, don't don't do that anymore. He didn't even start, I don't think. think, I'm pretty sure it was uh, Kalsher and McBrayer in the uh, backcourt to start the game. But the hottest topic from last night's game, we've seen it in photos, we've seen it empty arena, but this is the first time we've seen it on TV at least the first time I've seen that. Their first game, they played a game already. I think they've been on TV until last night, correct? It was definitely the first time like that they've been on national TV. <laughs> I believe I believe the first game, if I'm not mistaken, was streamed on Big Ten Network. It was, okay. a, I don't it think was, it was the on. Student U okay. yeah, I, production, yeah. I'm not doing I that. I love the new court. Fight me to the death. Why? <laughs> first of all... That place. I don't want to fight you. Just you tell me why. You, first of all, you can't shake up the building really because it is what it is. It's a 100 year old building, so there's only so much you can do. It's yeah. just kind of a. I mean, it's charming in the in the way that 
like the corridors inside Fenway Park are charming in some way without all the great history as much, like oh. the championship history. Well, I guess Fenway doesn't have much championship history either, but you know what I'm saying. Um, so what can you do to make it a little more a little more different, stand out a little bit more when you're watching on TV? And it just looks like, it looks unlike any other court that I've seen in college basketball. It looks like one of those, Judd, you're not on Instagram, but there's a filter on Instagram that's grayscale. But yeah. then you can use, you can have like 90% of the photo be gray and then have certain colors pop. That's what it felt like. It felt like part of the game was being played in 1949. I, I can't get past but that. But with modern players, and then the maroon popped. And it's, I thought it was awesome. It's jarring to me. It's absolutely <laughs> jarring. I wonder if it's, it's one of those the, deals it's where... It's the if Boise State field of courts. <laughs> it is. But with Boise State, because the Gophers had light-colored uniforms on, right? If I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. It's, what, it's like if Boise State wears their blue-out uniforms on their blue field, and you can just lay down at the 50-yard line, and no one sees you running your route. Yeah, I love it. I can't it, do it. It looks like I told this to Judd last hour. It looks like somebody was, you know, the 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 color settings on a TV, like the tint and the color, and, and you can grab your remote and sort of play around with that stuff. That's what it looks like. It looks like somebody was had the remote and was playing around with like the tint setting or something on yes. the TV. So you hate it too. I I just I don't like it. It's just it just looks weird. Now maybe if I go see it in person. You know, I'll get to a go for basketball game at some point this year. Maybe if I see it in person, it'll look a little bit different, but I just don't like the look of it on TV. It I think it's really weird. I think on TV, it's just going to be too weird. Is it just, is it weird because it's a different color than you're used to seeing? Because you're used to seeing this, the tan basketball court. Yeah, and, and it looks like a, it looks like they're playing on a slab of concrete. And, and the contrast that you're talking about that you like, I can't stand. I think it just looks really, really odd. But the Mackie and Judd poll on Twitter, <laughs> which was, do you like the new floor at Williams Arena? Phil loves it. Judd hates it. 32% are with you. 32% say it doesn't matter to them. 36% hate it with me. Wait, so more people so say it doesn't close. matter than... 32, I mean, 32% say doesn't matter. Okay. 32% are with you and they actually like it. And 36% hate it. Okay. So it's very so, close. To so poll. basically two-thirds of people are... Just close-minded clowns. Then you don't you don't like. <laughs> but I don't know how you can watch. I don't know how you can watch a game on that floor and not either like it or hate it. Hey, people ripped those Tampa Bay Rays uniforms in the late '90s too. You know what? Those were revolutionary. People hate deviations from tradition. Did they mix into the color of the screen? That's that's what got me. I thought I, I looked up in the press room at Target Center last night and I thought, my God, their TV's broken. <laughs> Go on, you need a new TV here besides I, a new coach. I will say. My first impression of it, right at tip off, was that's odd. What is yeah. what's is something up with the coloring in the arena? But no, but that's now. I think the question is: Were they going for that effect, or is it jarring even to the people who made the decision to change the court color? I got to think that there's at least a little bit of thought that's put into that. You don't. You don't. Just, I hope they're going for, for that. If, if they're jarred by it, then they really, really screwed up because they should have at least known how, how it would translate on yeah. television. Well, what's the? Uh, is it Oregon that has? The, the, I, that's what I was just. I was just uh, Google image searching. Okay. the Oregon court because I remember that one being just atrocious. Nothing's as jarring in college basketball as the Oregon court. That's where the Gopher women played. Is that I the think one it was at last center year. court with the enormous logo? It's that, but the whole the whole court is. Yeah. Like, is it what is it? Is it like it's a like scaly a, like pattern? A forest. Like a forest is like brown trees and just yeah, it's just bad. I don't know if this. <laughs> I'm trying to I'm trying it's to turn bad. around. And I'm trying to get a big picture to show you guys. You got to show Judd. Screen, but show Judd during I've the break. Seen it, I think, but there it's like 
Uh, I can't. I can't move the screen. Don't break it. Way. Don't yeah, break I'm the screen. Not to break anything. Oh, oh yeah. There oh you yeah. Go. That's that's <laughs> yeah. That's hideous. <laughs> Come on. Oh man, I love it. We don't dye baseball fields. It's entertainment. Purple or yellow. That's hideous. Yeah. Uh, but the Gophers, the Encore product. A little, little bit of depth. You're not running Bakari Kanate out there for 30 minutes anymore. It's been a problem. The last God bless his soul. Big problem. He just can't do anything really. <laughs> Seven feet. T- you look at you look Tried. at that guy for three years and said, "Well, he looks like an NBA player." But mm-hmm. then you put a ball in his hands. It's like, oh God. It's like, nope. You tried that hard. Ain't it. Um, the football hour is coming up next. I'm gonna actually. Can we give the answer to those trivia? The wild. <laughs> Somebody won that, right? Yeah, the uh, person that called in actually got both of them. So they went to HockeyReference.com. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, the question was, in 2014, Nino Niederreiter scored the game-winning goal in Game 7 overtime against the Avalanche to put the Wild in the second round. Two guys assisted on that goal. You just had to name one of them. Kyle Brodziak and Judd's favorite, Danny Heatley. Barry Melrose, favorite. You guys both love Danny Heatley. Danny Heatley. I forgot Danny Heatley. Danny Heatley was an absolute sniper until he wasn't, and then he just stunk. Uh, Cordy Cronin will come in here, Matthew Collar, and also Purple Live after the football hour is over. So a lot of Viking stuff coming at you the next couple hours. It's Mackie and Judd from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Don't go anywhere. More Mackie and Judd coming up next. Just hold your ass right there. On 1500 ESPN. Venture X from Capital One is the travel card for people always asking, where next? You earn 10x miles on hotels and rental cars and 5x miles on flights booked through Capital One Travel and 2x miles on everything else you buy with Venture X. Plus, receive premium travel benefits like access to over 1,300 airport lounges. The Venture X card from Capital One. What's in your wallet? Terms apply. See CapitalOne.com for details. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Right now, get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton Shred. Accessories like non-slip grip resistance bands, a heart rate monitor, yoga blocks, and more. Take your workout to the next level with Peloton, motivation that moves you. Hurry, this limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access memberships separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.